Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were going according to the course of this world. You were under the dominion of Satan. And he's a hard taskmaster. Don't go back there. Don't even think about going back there. We want to stay the course and enter into the fullness of all that God intends for those that he makes alive in Christ. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians chapter 2 in a message titled, From the Pit to the Pinnacle. Now, here's Pastor Brian. As I stated in the beginning of our study of this epistle to the Ephesians, in the first three chapters, the apostle is magnifying the love and the grace of God. Paul's desire is that we would would ultimately faithfully worship and, and serve the Lord, but he knows that that's going to take place in its best sense and in its truest form if we first have a strong foundation in God's love for us. And so he spends the first three chapters, as we pointed out, reminding us of the fact that it was nothing other than God's deep, deep love that moved him to save us with an eternal salvation. He wants us to get that. He wants us to understand that all of this is rooted in God's love for us. So as we just quickly look back over the first chapter, we see he's highlighting the love of God all the way through. It was because of God's great love that he chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless before him. It was because of his love that he redeemed us through the blood of Christ and gave us an eternal inheritance. It was because of his love that he sealed us with the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our ultimate acquiring of that eternal inheritance. So that's what he's been doing in the first chapter. Now, as he comes to the second chapter, he essentially does the same thing. Here in the second chapter, he's magnifying the grace of God, but he does it in a bit of a different way. In the first chapter, he's focusing in on what God has done. And he he does that as well in the second chapter. But what he does in the second chapter is he shows us what God has done in light of what our true condition really was. So he, in, in the second chapter here, he's making a contrast and he's showing us our salvation from the standpoint of our hopeless, helpless condition of having been dead in trespasses and sins. It's as though Paul is an artist painting a picture of our salvation, and he starts with a dark, blackened canvas. That's our previous state. So he starts with this dark, blackened canvas, but then he moves on to the bright and glorious hues that will show the great contrast of where we came from in our trespasses and sins to where we are now seated in the heavenly places in Christ. So so really in the second chapter, Paul shows us that we have gone from the lowest pit 
to the highest peak. We have gone from the lowest possible place, dead in trespasses and sins, and we have now been elevated to the highest possible place. Remember, Christ is the one who's seated there upon the throne. He's the king of the universe, and Paul says that we have now been seated with him in the heavenly places. And so the way I want to do this overview is I want to take a look at where we were and then look at where we are and then see the application of those things for us. So where were we? Well, as I said, we were in the pit, the lowest part of the pit. Our former hopeless, helpless condition is what Paul explains in this second chapter, beginning with dead in trespasses and sins. Doesn't get any worse than that. We're dead in trespasses and sins. The trespasses and sins, those are the things that have caused us to be dead. And what, what Paul's referring to here is spiritual death. We're spiritually dead. We're, we're separated from God. We're separated from the life of God. And this is our natural condition. Maybe you've heard the term original sin. We're born into sin. And having original sin or, have, or, or being born into sin means that we're born into a state of separation from God because of the sin. So that's where, that's where we are, all of us, naturally, dead in our trespasses and sins. I might have heard of a God, but I don't know him. I might have had somebody tell me that God speaks to him, but he doesn't speak to me. I don't hear anything. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm like a dead person. Dead person doesn't see or hear or know or feel. And, and that's how we are by nature in reference to God. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And then he says that we are walking according to the course of this world. And then he adds this, according to the prince of the power of the air. So not only are we dead in our trespasses and sins, which is terrible, but he says that we're also under the authority of the devil. And not simply under the authority of the devil, but we are in league with the devil. So we're under his dominion. We're under his authority. He has power over our lives. But then we yield ourselves to him. We succumb to his temptations. We follow his philosophy of life and so forth. So we're, we're under his authority. The whole world lies in the grasp of the evil one, John tells us in his epistle. But yet we're also in league with him. So dead in trespasses and sins, under the authority and, uh, of the devil and in league with him. And then he says that we are children of wrath. We are children of wrath. We are children who are destined toward judgment ultimately, and we live under a degree of judgment presently. So this is our natural condition. And I want you to notice that Paul includes himself. Now, speaking even as a Jew, he's including himself there. He says that we are, and, and we're by nature, he's talking to them Gentiles, you were by nature children of wrath, just as others. So what he wants us to understand is this is the, this is the condition of every single person that's ever lived. There's nobody that's in any different position than this. We're all exactly in the same place. But he goes on, children of wrath, and he says, we're aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So again, speaking to Gentiles at that time, 
Israel were God's covenant people. The Gentiles had not been part of that. They were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. To apply it in principle today, we would say that a person is alienated from the commonwealth of the church, God's people. Just like Israel was God's ancient people, the church is today God's people currently. So it's uh, the person who's not in Christ, a person who's in their natural state is alienated from the commonwealth of the church or the common wealth that's shared amongst God's people. And then he says, strangers of the covenants of promise. Strangers from the covenants of promise. God's given all kinds of promises. He's promised to bless. He's promised to guide. He's promised to provide. He's promised to protect. He's promised to fill us with joy and peace and, and hope and purpose and all of those things. But for those outside, they're strangers from the covenants of promise. They, they have no actual experience of them. And then he says, having no hope. Boy, what a statement, having no hope. The Gentiles had no hope. So this is where we were. This is where many still are. But here's the wonderful thing. And of course, this is the gospel that Paul is emphasizing. God has taken us who were there and for reasons all of his own and because of his great love, not because of any spark of goodness in us or anything like that, but because of his great love, he has made us alive together in Christ, starting with that. That's where we start. God looks at humanity, dead in trespasses and sins, and he has mercy on us. Why does he do it? It's simply because of his love. He looked upon us with pity rather than rightfully looking upon us with disdain and anger and uh, an intention to judge, he looked upon us with pity. He had mercy on us. And so we who were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive in Christ. You know, every person in order to come to Christ has to have to a certain degree, the spirit of God move upon their lives. We'll talk much more about this as we go into our future studies. But there's no person that left to themselves just one day decides, you know, I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. I need to be made alive in Christ. Nobody does that on their own. A person doesn't even recognize their condition until the Holy Spirit begins to do his work of convicting us. So we see, you know, we, we sometimes talk about salvation being all of God. Well, of course, there's a cooperative element to it. We have to agree with God in order to be saved. But the fact that there is salvation, the fact that there's even an offer of salvation is rooted purely in God. God decided to have mercy and he gave every single person enough of a liberty by his spirit to bring them to the place of being able to recognize that they need a savior. So he did it, made us alive. We've been made alive. And then Paul, as we just go down the list here, says that he's, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we were afar off, but now we've been brought near. We've been brought close to God. And of course, anybody who has become a Christian, you know that this is exactly what's happened. You've been made alive. 
you were dead. I can remember that. I can think back and I remember so clearly being dead in my trespasses and sins. But there came that moment where the new life came and everything changed. It was like somebody turned on the light switch. And prior to that, I was far away from God. But suddenly I was brought near to God. That's what happens to us. We, we are brought near. And then Paul goes on. He says that we have access by the spirit to the father. So we're given access. We're, previously, we were barred from the presence of God. And we hear people say sometimes, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give God a piece of my mind someday. If there is a God, I'm going to tell him a thing or two when I see him. No, you're not. <laughs> you, you can't even get into his presence. You don't have access. He's not available to you. You're banished from his presence because of sin. But for those that he's made alive, he's now brought us near to himself. And so we've been, we've been brought near and we've been given this access by the spirit. And I want you to notice that Paul uses the word father here. He could have easily said we have access by the one spirit to God, but instead he says father because he's emphasizing the relational thing that has occurred now. So now we're in a relationship. God is not just God, the almighty, all-powerful creator. God is now our father. And there's an intimacy that's associated with that very terminology. So we have access by the spirit to the father and we have become fellow citizens with the saints. We've been made fellow citizens. We've been brought into this kingdom and we've become citizens. Now, here's what the apostle is wanting us to know, that we're now citizens of that kingdom. We've been brought in. We're part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, there's, there's two kingdoms today. There's the kingdom of death and darkness. There's the kingdom of light and life. And if you have been made alive in Christ, then you're a citizen of the kingdom of light and life. Now, the kingdom of death and darkness, its days are numbered. It, there, there's a day when that kingdom is going to be forever overthrown, conquered, destroyed. But the kingdom of light and life, the kingdom of Christ, it's going to go on forever. And you who have put your trust in Christ, we who have been made alive in Christ, we are now fellow citizens with the saints. And then he says, and also members of the household of God. We become part of the family. That's the amazing thing. We've been brought in, we've been adopted, brought into the family. So when you read your Bible and you read about those people that I just mentioned, next time, you come across Abraham or Moses or whoever, I want you to think in these terms. These are your ancestors. These are the people that we're connected to. We're all part of the same big family that goes back to the very dawn of time and extends all the way into eternity. We're part of this universal family of God. What a privilege. What an amazing thing. Sometimes we we can live as though we don't even have that kind of a relationship with each other. And so we have to make intentional steps to build those bonds, to, to strengthen the relationships that are there, to develop them. 
and some of the things that we're doing here at the church these days. That's the very in, intent behind why we're doing what we're doing. We want to, to build the, the fellowship so people don't have to go off to a gang or don't have to go off to some other community to find acceptance or uh, fulfillment. They know that, no, this is where it is. It's here in the household of God. So this is what God has done. He's taken us from the pit to the pinnacle. He's taken us from dead in trespasses and sins. He's made us alive in Christ. He's taken us out from under the authority of Satan, and he's brought us under his authority. We're no longer the children of wrath, but now we are the children of, of God and, and his love rather than his wrath is set upon us. We're no longer alienated. We're no longer strangers, but we're fellow citizens and members. We're no longer without hope. We're no longer without God. We now know God through Jesus Christ. So this is the emphasis here in the second chapter. And Paul then, he kind of finalizes things here with telling us that we have become a dwelling place for the spirit, a holy temple in the Lord. So we are that place where the spirit dwells. We are that collectively and we are that individually. We are both uh, individually the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we as God's people congregationally, we are in the larger sense, the, the dwelling place of God. So we've gone from being completely excluded from the things of God to becoming the center of the very life of God. That it, it's an absolutely amazing transition that's taken place. And it's all happened through God's love and grace. Now, practically, one of the primary reasons that Paul is telling us what he's telling us is because... As I said earlier, in the end, Paul is wanting us to be true worshipers of God. He's wanting us to be obedient children. He's wanting us to be genuine seekers and followers of the Lord. And he knows, and the Spirit, of course, knows who's prompting him, that the best way that that happens is through understanding God's love. God wants us to worship him, but he doesn't want to... He's not going to make us worship him. What kind of worship is that? God wants us to love him, but he's not going to force us to love him. So what does he do? He loves us more than we could ever imagine. And of course, the natural response, the proper reciprocation would be to love him back. And that's the point that Paul is really getting at here as he expounds the grace of God that we would so appreciate God's grace, that we would so thank him for all that he's done for us that we couldn't help but just completely love him with everything in us. How could we do anything less with such great love, with the one who took us from, from death and our trespasses and sins and made us alive just simply because of his love? How could we do anything less? But sometimes what happens to us is our hearts get hard and we forget. It's a good thing to occasionally go back and remember the pit that God pulled you out of. Because, you know, after you're out of it for a while, you can kind of 
you can kind of lose sight of how bad it really was. And sometimes you can even foolishly look back and think, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that bad back then. Maybe I ought to go back and check it out again. And we get delusional and we think, oh, you know, it really wasn't that bad. No, it was, it was worse than you remember. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were going according to the course of this world. You were under the dominion of Satan. And he's a hard taskmaster. Don't go back there. Don't even think about going back there. God wants to take you forward. Sure, we go through challenging seasons. We go through wildernesses at times. We go through deserts. We go through testings. But no testing is worth turning back from. We want to stay the course and enter into the fullness of all that God intends for those that he makes alive in Christ. So here's what it comes down to. Here's the question. Are you in the pit of sin and death or are you seated in the heavenly places in Christ? Remember, as I said, there really is no middle position. You're either one place or the other. You're either a member of the household of God, a child of God, or you're a child of wrath. You're either far off or you've been brought close to God. What is the differentiating factor? It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. What have you done with the blood of Christ? And when I say the blood of Christ, I'm talking about the sacrifice of Christ. I'm talking about the cross. I'm talking about what Jesus did. Jesus came and did this, but he expects a response from us. And what we have to do, in essence, is we have to take that blood that he shed and we have to make it applicable to ourselves. God does not do that part for us. He did everything else, but now we're the ones that are responsible to appropriate it is the word. I I make it my own. And that's the difference between dead in trespasses and sins and alive in Christ. That's the difference between being under the dominion of Satan and being under the goodness of a loving heavenly father. That's the difference between being part of God's family or being a child of wrath. It's the difference between being near to God or far from God. It all comes down to that personal embrace of the blood of Christ by receiving Christ himself. And I know that many of you have done that, but yet perhaps there are a few of you today that haven't and I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. God wants to take you out of the pit that you're in and he wants to put you, he, he wants to put you there with Christ in the heavenly places. In, in the Psalms, there's a picture that's given a few times over and it's the picture of what God does. It says that he takes the beggar from the dung heap Dung is an old English word for, um, well, you can guess what it's for, right? (laughs) The rubbish heap. He takes the beggar out of the rubbish heap and he sets him upon the throne of princes. That's what God's in the business of doing. Taking people from the pit and setting them right there at the tip of the peak with himself. That's what he does. That's what he extends. That's what he is offering to us. We just receive it. So if you haven't done that, today's the day you can do that. 
For the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. Our identity as a Christian is defined by who God says we are, and our identity in Christ connects us to God. But pornography attempts to unglue our identity from God and from others. It skews and distorts true manhood and true womanhood, enslaving millions. So in his book, The Death of Porn, Ray Ortland reminds us of the royal identity of men and women and the practical ways the bondage of pornography can be broken. If you want to be equipped to face the slavery of pornography in your life or the life of others, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book, The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.